good morning, good morning on this Super Bowl Sunday. It is Super Bowl Sunday. And uh, let's see if uh, Tommy Boy, Tommy the man, can uh, outsmart, outwit, and outplay the young Patrick Mahomey. Um, we'll see what happens with that. My team's not in it. <laughs> But, uh, you know, hey, Buffalo, we uh, made a great run. We'll be back next year, and uh, we'll see. Hope you're doing well. Uh, God is good, and uh, we're going to dig into the Word of God this morning. Excited about where we're going over the next few weeks. Uh, we just spent 14 weeks on the topic of prayer. We ended 2020. We began 2021. And we went over a lot of information about prayer, and, and I hope that we are better prayer people because of it, because of all those little important truths that we see in the scripture about prayer, how important it is to our lives. And I, I hope that you can think of some ways that the last 14 weeks of these messages, I hope has changed your life, that your prayer life is different because we, we went through 14 weeks of this. Uh, so I hope, I hope that's true. If it is, uh, send me a note, send me a text, send me a, an email to say, hey, this is how my prayer life is different because of the sermons that you preached over the last 14 weeks. That would be really cool to see how God worked in that and how maybe uh, you were impacted by those messages. I, I hope something is happening that translates into real life. We're not just talking, you know. Hopefully we're not just sharing stuff and everybody's saying good job, that was cool, and see you next week. I hope, I hope this is life-changing stuff. This is the Word of God. This is, this is life-changing, life-altering. This should be like, you know, the most important truth, the Word, that we can put into our life, you know. We put a lot of stuff in our life, don't we? Like food and, and water and we sleep and we do all this stuff. We exercise and we take care of ourselves. But, but this, the word of God, there's nothing more important that we could be putting into our life. So I hope, I hope our lives are different because of it. Today, I want to spend a few weeks addressing a very pressing issue at hand. And that is this, the world is in crisis. The world is in crisis. And uh, I want to talk to you about that. The pandemic continues, right? People wearing masks, we're social distancing, we're not in school. You know, all these things. The violence continues in certain cities. Vaccine is slowly trickling out. Schools remain shut down. Children are losing it. Parents are fed up. Businesses are closing. People are trying to social distance themselves from other people. Most everyone hates wearing masks. And pro events are really, really quiet. Does that sum it up pretty good? You know, like people are, are affected differently by all this. Like each one of us, this is impacting in a different way. Some people have lost their incomes and some have not. Some people are, are essential workers or they're viewed as essential workers and other people just aren't. Some have really good coping skills and make the most 
But some are really struggling in all of this. The world, <laughs> the world is in crisis. COVID is just one small issue. As big as it seems, it's really just one small issue. The bigger issue for all of us isn't COVID. It isn't sickness and it isn't disease. It's sin. Sin that has separated us from God. Our biggest crisis, the world's biggest crisis, is not war and disease and sickness. It's sin. A sin that has separated us from the God and the Creator who loves us. So in the next few weeks, I'd like to like point out some, some really important tools. Tools for our survival on this planet, in this world of crisis. Some really important things that we need going into 2021 as we move forward in what's going on immediately around our lives right now in this country, but even in the bigger picture of sin in the world and sin, how it impacts you and me going forward. We hit probably the most important tool that we could ever put in our box, our toolbox or our bag, and that's prayer. We talked about that for 14 weeks, and prayer is the number one tool that we all need as we begin to move forward. But after prayer, what tools do you think we need? Think about that for a second. What kind of tools, and we're talking spiritual tools, do we need in our toolbox that really are going to make a difference? Like if you, if you had to narrow down like the most important things in your life to the top three or four, like what would they be if you if you crashed? We we use a scenario. If you crashed on an island and the the plane was was burning up and you could only grab three or four things out of that plane, like what would you grab? Like what are the most important things we need going forward? Well, today, today one of those tools that I want to point out, in addition to prayer because I think prayer is the most important one, our prayer life with God, our connection with God. The second most important tool I think we need in our toolbox is faith. Faith, faith. If you're gonna make it, if we're gonna make it through the chaos of this pandemic and the crisis of sin in the world and the radical left's desire to make, Calif make America, California, somehow, and, and, and all that's going on in our leadership in Washington and these cities, that chaos continues to break out, and the craziness of this world. If we're going to make it through that, then it's going, to take, it's going to take faith. It's going to take personal faith. Personal faith in our God, right? Personal faith in God. See, we will, we'll, we're going to need, as this world continues to go in the direction it's going, we're going to need to get, like, really real with Jesus. Like, real with God. Not just, I'm not talking about religiously real, where we go to church and we just do certain religious things because 
somehow we're, we think spiritually we're supposed to do these things. Like even prayer. If, if it's just mechanical or just religious, if it's just like we're just reiterating some prayer that somebody told us that we should say, if it isn't coming from our heart, from the very soul of who we are, if it's just a formality, then it isn't real. You're just going through the motion. It's, it's, it's just an intellectual exercise. And what we're going to need to do is get real with Jesus. Like, be honest with God. Like, not rules and not religion, but a relationship with Jesus. A personal relationship with Jesus. Now, I can't think of a better passage when you think about faith than Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11, what it does is it describes faith to us, it defines faith for us, and then it exemplifies faith to us so that we get a good idea of what this faith in God is all about. And so in Hebrews chapter 11, it begins like this. If you got your Bibles, turn there, Hebrews 11 verse 1 and 2, go like this. Now faith, faith is what the writers are talking about. Faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. He says in verse 1 there, faith. Faith is confidence and faith is the assurance. Faith is confidence. It has to do with a, a certainty, like 100% proof, 100% confidence like completely all in that this this truth is for real that it's not made up it's not half and half it's not you know like 50 50 this is 100 percent belief and confidence in what we hope for he says now faith is the confidence that that desperate and determined confidence in what we hope for or what is to come, right? What we're looking forward to. Not just, you know, in this world and the things that we're a part of in this planet, but our eternal and spiritual confidence in what we look forward to, our trust in God and what we bank our lives on. The things that matter most to us. Faith is the confidence in what you and I hope for. And then he says, it's also the assurance of what we do not see. The assurance of what we do not see. The invisible. The things beyond the visible, right? The spiritual. Our belief in God. And as firm, the, the idea of confidence is this, this sense of concrete. That it is for sure, it is solid, it is immovable, it is there, and it is without doubt. The writer says, now faith, faith, as we think about what faith is, and we think about that tool of faith that we need as we go forward in a world of, in crisis, we think about faith having this sense of confidence in, in what we hope for, and then this assurance in the things that we don't see, where God lives, the things that God is up to, the things that God is doing in your heart and in your life and in your mind and in your soul. That's why Christianity can't be a religion. 
It's got to be a relationship because it's based on the person of God and the person of Jesus and the person of the Holy Spirit working in us. It isn't about a checklist or just going through the motions of religious activity. It's about walking with a real person, the person of God in our life. That's a personal relationship. We're not just following a bunch of rules like you would if you're building a swing set. We are following the God of all creation who is here and present with us right now. And then look what he says in verse 2. He says, this is what the ancients, this is what the ancients, those Old Testament forefathers, those Old Testament characters that we read about, you know, those big names, Moses and Abraham and, and, and Noah and Jonah and, and all the prophets, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, you know, all those guys, this is what they were commended for. They were commended for their faith. And so the, the author says, or the writer says, uh, our faith, our faith in God, our faith that we need in this world of crisis is something that others had lived by, and he says they were commended for. That word commended means applauded. It means that they were recognized in heaven, in, 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 in spiritual places, for what they were doing here on this earth. They were looked up to, and they were rewarded in eternity. They were commended. They were commended for their faith. Now, this is important. This is really important that we understand what faith is. It's more than just this belief. It's more than just this understanding or recognizing something is what it is. It's more than that. It goes deeper than that. It goes further than that. And it should, it should impact every part of our life. And, and then the chapter goes uh, on into example after example after example after example. And it's and it's always, it's by faith, right? By faith, these things happen. All right, by faith, the author says, if you got the chapter open in your Bible, chapter 11 of Hebrews, by faith, he says, the universe was formed. By faith. Notice, he says, not, not that you believed it was formed. It's not your faith that it was formed by. But by faith, it was, it was formed. The universe was formed. The, the faith Formed the universe. God, through faith, formed the universe. How's that? Well, here's how. What you see visible, what we look around and see visible as a planet in a creation, was made by what is unseen. God took what was invisible and he made it visible. What was unseen is now seen in a world that you and I now live on and see. But it was made by the invisible. It was made by God by faith. He spoke it into existence. And by the way, that's the hard part. Like God's part was the hard part. Our, our part, us believing that God did this, is the easy part, right? Our part is easy. God's part is hard. If God asked us to do the hard part, well, then I can understand people not believing that, right? Like not believing that God created the universe. Like people don't believe that God made the world. They think we came about some other way. Well, God did the hard part. God spoke it into existence. All we have to do really is go, yeah, look, he did. There it is. It's like here. It's all around us. How can you deny it? 
You know, and so God did the hard part. We do the easy part. He created it. He spoke it into existence. Our part is just believing that he did. He did the faith part. Our part is just believing that God did. So by faith, by faith, uh, we see that Abel, in verse 4, Abel uh, gave God a better sacrifice. By faith, in verse 5, Enoch did not taste death. And then we come to verse 6 in Hebrews 11, and it says this, and without faith, all right, it says without faith. So faith is, right, assurance, confidence. Now, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So let's take a look at this real quick, okay? He says, without faith, without this belief in who God is, without this belief in the unseen, the invisible, spiritual forces in, in heavenly places, like without belief in those things, without belief in what God has done, without belief that God exists and that he works among us, Without faith, without belief, it is impossible. That means it just cannot happen. It is impossible to please God. It is impossible for you to find favor in God if you do not believe, if you do not have faith. And again, faith is not just some blind hope in a world, wow, faith is based on evidence all around us. Faith, our faith in God is based on a creation that we can see, a universe, galaxies, stars, things that we can't explain, things that are beyond our control. And it's also based on the fact that God was working, we have scripture, we have a son, Jesus, who came to the earth and proved that he was God. So our faith has these huge pillars that hold it up, and, and we call those pillars evidence, evidence of our faith. It's not blind faith, it's faith based on all the things that God has been doing from the beginning of time. And so, so he says, without this faith, it's impossible to please God. And this answers a, a very important question. And the question is, why won't really, really good people then go to heaven, right? That's a question people ask. Why won't good people, you know, if you give your life to helping people and loving people, why won't a person like that, a good person, go to heaven? Well, the answer is simple. They must have faith. They must have faith in God. They must believe that he exists. We must acknowledge that it, it all comes from him. Faith and deeds. Our faith and our deeds must come together. It's not enough just to have faith. It's not enough to just be a good person. We must merge our belief in God and our faith in him, and then we do what we do because of our faith. We don't have faith because of our deeds. We have good deeds because of our faith. We want to please God. We believe that he exists and we wanna live our life for him because he says that anyone who comes to him must believe. Anybody who comes to God must believe, one, that he exists 
and two, that he rewards. Okay, see that? He exists and he rewards. That's what God does. When we come to him in belief, he exists. That is, that he is. We believe that he is. That we did not just happen or evolve. The big bang that we put our faith and trust in is the big bang that says, God said, let there be. When God said, let there be, there was this huge movement on the planet. This huge shift from what was in formation to what has become the earth that we live on today. The, the days of creation that we read about in Genesis 1 and 2, right? He exists. You must believe that he exists. And two, we believe that he rewards or he commends those who earnestly seek him. See, what we got to do is get real with God. Not religion, but Jesus. We have to have this and pursue and seek this relationship with God through his son, Jesus, whom he sent to the earth. And when we're doing that, we are living by faith because we believe he exists. We know that he rewards and we, we are a part of what God is now doing in the present as we move closer and closer to the future. And so then the writer continues with by faith. By faith Noah, by faith Abraham, by faith Sarah, and by faith these people and others did great and miraculous things by faith. And because of our, their faith, because of their faith, their faith in action, they were commended by God. Now get that for a minute. When you play on a basketball team or soccer team or football team and your mom is up in the stands and you know she's yelling good job Paulie or good job Bobby Frankie you know good job you know we, we take pride in that when we see our parents up there and they're they're like happy for us and they're excited for us and we do something great on the field and they're like good job Mikey Stevie good job boys you know that's that's a big deal but look what he says here well we just read it we we these people these people, because of their faith, and then what they did, they were commended by God. God stands up and applauds those who live by faith, who live their lives by faith in him. And that's an amazing thing. In verse 13, get this, look what it says. All of these people, long list of people in the, in the book of Hebrews, Pointing back to the Old Testament, all those Old Testament people that lived their lives for God, trusting God, by faith, just like you and me in a real world, struggling with everything we struggle with, temptations and, and attacks and all the stuff that we deal with. All these people, get this, were still living by faith when they died. They didn't hang it up on a shelf and retire from their faith. They were living by faith till the day they died. And he says, they did not receive the things promised. Now that's sad, right? They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on the earth. All of them. Do you see that? We're still living by faith when they died. That's, that's a plus. That's a benefit. That's what we should aspire to. 
is that we are living by faith until the day Jesus takes us from this planet. We're living by faith. Our trust and our hope and our assurance and our confidence are all in God and not in the world, not in the systems of the world or anything of the world. These people were. But the bummer was that they accomplished the things that God had set out for them, but they did not receive the things that were promised. Those things were still in the distance when they were living by faith. They only saw them from a distance, the hope of Jesus coming, the, 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 the truth that God would one day send a Messiah, that God would renew the world and have a, set up a new covenant in his blood so that people could come into this relationship with Jesus by faith. In Christ, these people did not see that promise fulfilled. They only saw it from a distance. Look what it says, verse 13. This, because this is faith. This is faith in a real world, in an invisible, worldly, fleshly world. They lived by faith. This world, this world is not Eden. This world is in crisis. This world is in major crisis, and only faith is going to take us out of here. Only faith is the ticket and the train ride out of here. This is faith. They lived out an attitude and a lifestyle of faith. They admitted, it says, that they were foreigners and strangers on this earth. And I got, I got to tell you, you know, as I read through these verses, every time in Hebrews, it is breathtaking to think about the people of old and their faith. It, it, it puts us to shame. It really does. It, it, it makes our, our faith look like a watered-down version of something not very good. Their faith is so insane that passage goes on to say this. Verse 14 says this. People, people, these guys, these ancients, people who say such things, say such things as this. You know, we have faith in God, but we only see the promise from a distance. They admitted that they're foreigners and strangers in this world, that attitude of life, that, that they belong to God, not to the planet, not to the world, not to the system, but they live by a, a different set of rules and values. They live by God's, God's you know, economy, not the world's economy. People who say such things, and, and, and this, is, this has got to be us. We've got to get here. We've got to get here in our life in the way we live our lives, the things we do, and the way we process and the decisions we make. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city, a city for them. Did you see that? God has prepared a city for them. Faith, faith in God, faith in Jesus. These people had incredible faith in the God they loved and served 
and followed. And you gotta ask, you read this and you gotta ask yourself, does my faith even come close? Am I even in the same universe? In levels of intensity and love for God and faith in God as these people in Hebrews 11 that we read about that lived in the Old Testament period. Are we even close to this? The chapter continues. By faith, more on Abraham. By faith, Isaac. By faith, Jacob. By faith, Joseph. By faith, Moses. And then we come to verse 30. Uh, 30 it says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell. Remember, they just marched around it. They didn't do a thing, but march around and blow trumpets. And the walls fell because God did it. And they trusted God. They were living by faith. And by faith, Rahab, the prostitute, hid the spies because she trusted God for that. Now, that's a weird situation for sure. But in verse 32, I got to read this as we kind of begin to wrap this thing up. Verse 32. And what more shall we say? I mean, you got to read Hebrews 11. It is the most powerful chapter in the Bible. It is so powerful about living our lives for Christ and living our lives for God and being full of faith and seeing examples of faith. It's just insane. What more shall we say? And he says, I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Why? Because of their faith, because of their connection to God. Women, verse 35, received back their dead, raised to life again. That's powerful. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. I don't know what's gonna happen in the future of this crisis world that we live in, in this country that's going crazy. But if it ever comes to a point where we are going to be persecuted because of our faith, I pray to God that you will hang on and you will remember this verse. There were others that were tortured, refusing, 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 so committed to their God, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection, that even death wouldn't stop them from their faith or the threat of it. This is intense faith. You are not going to get here with religion. You will abandon that the minute trials and troubles come your way. But a personal relationship with a God who loves you and gave his son for you and lives in you, it's walking with us. I'll die for him. I'll die for Jesus. I don't care what people do. I will die for him. Look what he says, verse 36. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. These are people living by faith in the days of the Old Testament and even the New Testament when persecution broke out against the church. Verse 38, the world 
was not worthy of them. The world, the world, this world in crisis was not worthy of those people that dotted the maps that were living by faith. Those people who love God more than they love this world. Those people that love God more than they love their stuff or their things. Those people who love God more than breath itself. Those people. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. These were all, there's that word again, commended. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. There's so much there. There's so much there. There's so much power and, and faith there in those verses. Just read them over and over again. Just soak them in. Because these people, these people were so amazing in their faith with God. And they're ordinary people like you and me. They just trusted with God in another level, at a totally different level. And the world was not worthy of these people. That is so incredible. But check this out. I want to just close with this. Some things. Faith. Faith. Faith that will help us survive, right? Faith that will help you and me survive, to put in our toolbox as we go on in 2021, living in a world in crisis, living in a country of, of chaos that's only going to probably get worse the, the more it goes. But check this out. Three things about faith that helps us survive. Number one, our faith must be completely and utterly dependent on God. We as people must be completely and utterly dependent on God. That's where our faith has to go. Without faith and without trust in God, you and I, we are doomed. We are doomed. We are separated by, by our sin from God. Without God in our life, we are cut off from eternity. We are cut off from life. We are cut off from the holiness of God by our sin, by the, the crisis of sin in our lives. And we have to realize that faith, what faith is, is to realize and to understand that I am utterly dependent upon God. I can't do anything in and of myself. Number two, simply this, faith must unite with kingdom involvement. Our faith, our belief, our hope, our assurance, our confidence, all those things about faith must unite with involvement in kingdom work, in the work of the kingdom. See, all these people were commended for their faith by what they did. You cannot separate what they did from what they believed. Believing is not enough. We must believe and the result or the fruit of that belief must be what we do, how we live our life. James, James said it like this, faith without deeds is dead. 
You can have all the deeds in the world, but if you don't have faith, you can't please God. If you have faith, but you don't have deeds, you can't please God either. Faith and our works, our deeds, our actions must be working together. No, they did it for us. These people did not get to see the promise. They did not receive it, but they knew that only together with us, when we believe that their faith would be made complete, together, us and them, that incredible faith that those people lived by. Together, we are complete. Together, our faith and our works working together. And the third thing is this. Faith in God separates you from this world in crisis. Okay, this world and all that it is, is going to perish. It is going down the giant swirl of a toilet and it's headed for destruction. And our only way out, our only ticket out is, a, is, a, is a, a relationship with Jesus, the Son of God. These people understood that this world was not our home. They were foreigners and strangers here. And the world was not worthy of them. See, listen, listen, you can't. If you're trying to please the world... If you're trying to live a life worthy of the world, you cannot live a life worthy of the world and a life worthy of God at the same time. You can't do both. You can't live for popularity and fame and fortune on this planet and, and hang on to God too. You gotta choose. We have got to choose who it is we serve and who it is we love and who it is we're going to pledge our allegiance to. The world behind me, the cross before me. Does that mean that God can't bless us with things to be used for his glory? Yes, he can, and yes, he does. But when we start collecting things and thinking that it's all about these things, we have lost it. We have wandered in the wrong direction. If that's what we're chasing, a better job, more money, a bigger paycheck, just to have more things or better things or bigger things or faster things, we have lost it. We have wandered in the wrong direction. We have made it about us, our fame, our fortune, our glory. And it's not about God's. And when we read about these people in Hebrew 11, who the world was not worthy of them, we are not even worthy if we're doing those things, if we're following that stuff, we aren't even worthy to mention their names. We got to choose. We have to choose what direction we're going with our life. We have to make a conscious decision if we are going to be truly disciples of Christ or not. By faith. By faith. Remember Abraham. Abraham lived by faith. And Hebrews 11 talks about Abraham more probably than anybody else. But by faith, the father, and Mark Moore points it out in this book that we're going through, Core 52, by faith, the father, uh, uh, this father of a great nation, right? Before, he, before Abraham became the father of a great nation, and before Abraham and his descendants inherited the promised land, Abraham had no children, and he owned no real estate at all. He was wandering because God told him to leave his own land and go. And he was a wandering, childless, 
person when God said to him, you will inherit a land and you will have more children than stars in the sky or sand on the seashore. You will, you will be the father of a great nation. Abraham had nothing. Faith. Faith is Abraham believing God, that God is able to do what I don't, can't even begin to see. I can't even begin to know how. I can't even begin to, to see the way in front of me, but I'm gonna hang on to and trust God with everything in me. And I'm gonna let God do what God does. That's what Abraham was doing, faith. This is a faith that, that you can survive on. Faith that is sold out, a faith that is focused, and a faith that is all in. Faith, it's a key tool in our survival on this world in crisis. It's, it begins in a relationship with Jesus. Coming into faith with God begins in a relationship with Jesus, a personal relationship that we believe that Jesus is who God said he is. He is the son of God, that we, that we put our trust in him and we get honest with him. We could tell him that we're sinners. We let him know that we need him. We desperately need him. And we, we, we repent, we change the way we are thinking and the way we are living. We let the word of God begin to renew us and we're immersed into Christ and we let Jesus in a spiritual, invisible way, wash away our sins, forgive us, and fill us with the Holy Spirit. Faith. Faith. You are not going to get out of this planet headed to eternal life without faith. Without this faith in God. Tools, tools for survival. Prayer and faith. Have a great week. I hope and pray that, that your faith will increase, that you will seek God with all your heart, that you will begin to trade in the stuff of the world for the things of God, and that your faith will just thrive and move forward in great ways. And yet you might miss out on some of the stuff of this planet, but what God has waiting for you in eternity blows it away. Live by faith. Walk by faith. Trust God. The world is in crisis. God bless. Have a great day.